I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research journal. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you can help me out. Tell security to flood the main entrance with nerve gas. But, sir, our men are still up there. Wesker shoots the Japanese umbrella employee in the head. Any more questions? Hello, and thank you for listening to Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast I'm aware of that chronologically reviews the films of Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and quite possibly the greatest living filmmaker of all time, <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson. My name is Jeremy Anderson, and I'm here with my co-host, Introduce Eric yeah. W.S. Anderson. Hello. <laughs> Eric Wes Anderson. Hello. Yes. And uh, we are covering the film Resident Evil Afterlife. This is two <laughs> Resident Evil movies away from the first Resident Evil movie that we covered, because it's the other one directed by Paul Thomas Anderson or the next one in the line. We didn't cover the other two. And we're going to see if that was a, a, a mistake that we'll pay dearly for for the rest of our lives or if it's going to end up okay. We have a yeah. guest, a special guest on today, our Resident Evil expert, Michael McCaller. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing so great. I'm so excited to talk about this film. <laughs> yes uh we had you on the first episode i thought that was a that was a very good episode uh oh yeah the, the one that we covered uh resident evil the original film before mm-hmm. i think we i think we all liked it in descending order this way eric at the top me in the middle and you at the bottom would you say that's about true that, that movie upset me a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i was feeling bad yeah uh, yeah, I you know I I gotta say I think that and you know maybe maybe this helped with this this film too, but I think that me not knowing like not being able to tell what they're getting wrong or what they're doing wrong about the Resident Evil specifics, mm-hmm. I think helps me because uh, you know spoiler I kind of like this one too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I'm sure you guys have heard this classic uh, take on Star Wars Episode Nine. That, like, uh-huh. no matter what you think about The Last Jedi, it's deeply uncomfortable to watch a movie that's entirely a subtweet of another movie. Mm. Mm. And mm. that's how I felt watching that first Resident Evil movie, where it felt like the whole thing was like, uh, you're pretty dumb for liking this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're almost making fun of you for being a fan of the, the series overall. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, you want to see this character? Guess what? Somebody's just kind of named after them. Yeah. Well, now, I feel like, and, and only from watching this movie do I get this impression, but I feel like they did a little bit to try and make good on some mm-hmm. of the Resident Evil lore in the meantime, because straight mm-hmm. up in this film, we get a Chris Redfield and a Claire Redfield. Yes. Um, and an Albert Wesker. So we're we're rolling with at least three of the main cast for the Resident Evil series in this film. I don't know when they entered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I, at what point did they join the fray, but um, they're in this one, um, seemingly out of nowhere. Michael McCuller, you've seen the very first movie. Uh, have you seen Apocalypse and or Extinction? 
Um, should we just say what my deal is with the movie? Yeah, we should probably <laughs> just say. Yeah, we should probably um, just say. I got the text from you, Jeremy, to watch Resident Evil Afterlife. <laughs> yes. And my brain saw Resident Evil A and I was like, great, we're watching the next Resident Evil movie, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Right, of course. So I watched Resident Evil Apocalypse, took notes, was ready to do a podcast on it, found out just, mm. you know, 10 minutes ago I watched the wrong movie. So, in answer to your question, I have seen Resident Evil Apocalypse. Yes, and <laughs> and and what were your thoughts if you could if you could surmise your thoughts in just uh, a few brief sentences? Resident Evil Apocalypse is cool sometimes, <laughs> but is not a functional movie. Okay. They yeah. uh they it's actually like a pretty cool idea for like a zombie movie story. Where there is like a head umbrella scientist who is pr- played by Jared Harris. Is that his name? From Mad Men? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays like an umbrella scientist whose daughter is lost in the Raccoon City outbreak. And he's like back at control and he's like hacking into phones and stuff. And he calls Alice and her group and he's like, hey, go save my daughter. Uh, gotcha. It's like an interesting little zombie movie story to give them a want. That want doesn't come until like. 40 minutes into the movie because just a bunch of silliness happens. So in that sense, it's just like half the movie. We're like, what's happening? Why is anything going on? Um, but it gets a lot of resident evil bits, right? There's a nemesis that is attacking stars members, which is cool. There's a Jill Valentine who is for some reason, the only character who didn't change. Like she looks like resident evil three, Jill Valentine, which yeah. if you haven't played that video game, she's wearing a blue tube top and black dress in the least zombie appropriate attire. Attire, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, she's the Jill Valentine we know. Oh, and wow. it's fine. So this was them saying like, okay, we're doing we're doing some actual Resident Evil things. So this game or this movie rather feels like the point when they begin to literally reference the characters of the game that it sounds like continued in three and four. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, again, I could tell they were trying to sort of make good on the, uh, on some of this resident evil lore Mm -hmm. bullshit where it was like, the first movie is is like is like kind of like McCuller said. It's like a sort of like a joke. It's like a, it's like a, a a riff on on it, it would it'd be like if you drunkenly watched the Resident Evil game be played. You you would hmm. maybe in a haze pick certain details out of it to really <laughs> showcase, but altogether doesn't I in my opinion didn't really fully come together as a film or a uh, Resident Evil adaptation. But mm-hmm. Eric, you liked it okay. Yeah, well I will say Jeremy also texted me to watch Resident Evil Afterlife and I am just realizing now I accidentally watched Maleficent the Mistress of Evil <laughs> from 2019. <laughs> so I'm not going to be very useful this episode. <laughs> I I wonder how close how close the, both both those films actually are in 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 practice. <laughs> I I think that so for me, uh, I haven't seen Apocalypse or Extinction, but I'm 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 guessing a ton of shit happens in those because Resident Evil Afterlife 
starts in media res in the middle of an ongoing story that I have no idea who the players are. <laughs> yeah. Mila Jovovich has cloned herself into several different versions of herself. Sure. Mm-hmm. She she is wielding multiple she's wielding mostly swords. <laughs> and <laughs> and is attacking uh, an umbrella facility. Uh, but there's like 30 of Mila Jovovich's mm-hmm. running around doing it. It, it is um, it, the film uh, immediately upon right when it starts feels closer to something like a uh, oh like a what's a what's a ultraviolet that that film or uh, or that film based on the uh, cartoon um, the MTV anime cartoon. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, Aeon uh, Flux. Beavis and Butthead. No, not no, no, no. Is it Aeon <laughs> Flux? Is that what it's called? It's Aeon called, Flux. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I feel like this is also the era for those kinds of movies, the Ultraviolet, the Aeon Flux adaptation. Um these movies, I'm sure like I haven't seen the Ghost in the Shell film, but it would make sense to me if it was a lot like this where it's heavily CG'd, uh, strong female protagonist who's mm-hmm. really OP, overpowered, right? Just going through and and, and slaughtering lots of different enemies, um, you know, a, a, a sort of like crude Western adaptation of like what is clearly a, 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 a Japanese sort of like, you know, art style slash, you know, combat choreography style. Not unlike maybe like Mission Impossible 2 is another good example of a film like this where it's like, mm-hmm. like way almost like car- it's a like cartoony action mixed with N- nigh but zero plot for example <laughs> you know uh but eric we got a we got a little patreon we should plug before we get too far oh yeah yeah it's patreon.com slash maleficent <laughs> uh the no, <laughs> patreon.com slash eric and jeremy we are we're doing the supplemental material uh this mm-hmm. month jeremy we're doing um we just did an episode on the commercials of david lynch we're doing a two-part episode on the paul thomas anderson music videos mm-hmm. uh and who knows what else we'll be up to over there but we do you know we do movie requests we do all sorts of stuff five dollars a month weekly bonus episodes i mean it, there's i can't think of a single better way to spend a five dollar bill than signing up for it can you no not at all if i had a five dollar bill and i could shove it into my computer screen <laughs> right now and and then our episodes would pop up i'd do it I would just do yeah. it, and I wouldn't think twice about it because five dollars in this economy, basically, basically $1. like uh, one dollar in this economy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to be clear, you do have to. You need a a credit card or PayPal to sign up. You cannot. <laughs> if you jam a five dollar bill, even if you're on Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy, we're not gonna get it. So you gotta, you know, electronic payments only, please. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, so here's a here's a few uh, a few uh, details about Resident Evil Afterlife uh-huh. uh, before we get started. And uh, McCaller is going to stay on the episode with us in in what is going to most likely be some sort of insane <laughs> like piecing together of this movie while talking a little bit about apocalypse and mm-hmm. hopefully maybe yeah. informing a little bit of what's going on. I'm actually I'm excited to uh Michael to have you sort of describe to me cuz it sounds like some of these characters are people that, you know, are are in the game, the Redfields and and whatnot. I don't know yeah. who these people are. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited to find out more about 
who the hell all it's, these people are that I just watched. It's such a bizarre mix of canon characters and characters they just made up for no reason. Uh, in all these games, I mean, I'm like looking at the at the overall plot of this movie we're going to talk about today, uh, and just seeing like, why would Claire Redfield ever talk to Bennett or Kim Young? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, there is a character in this movie named Kmart. So, <laughs> just so you know, that's the kind of movie we're watching today. There's a character named Kmart. So, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Resident Evil Afterlife is a 2010 action horror film written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson took a hot break from the series. He did not direct... Uh, apocalypse or extinction however he did write them all so he his hand is still moving the needle in terms of plot and overall story design for the resident evil film franchise this movie cost 60 million dollars to make and the box office return was 300 million dollars i do not understand how this film franchise (laughs) is one of the most successful film franchises of all time I'll never understand it because <laughs> this film for costing $60 million looks, in my opinion, incredibly cheap. Like, yes. like one of the cheapest films I've ever seen. Here's the thing, though. Avatar comes out 2009. Yes. We're getting 3D. It, Resi- I remember this movie coming out because it was, it's 2010 and it was in 3D and that was a uh, you know, still kind of a, you know, a big deal at the, at the time. And, uh, it was also released in IMAX. So I imagine that those two things kind of boosted that, you know, box office a little bit. Yeah. uh, I am I'm sure. And I think that like, um, I think that this, this franchise, uh, only made its money back in the U S it makes most of its money worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't too crazy to <laughs> to imagine. Uh, Paul W. Sanderson does go on to make, I think, the two final films after this, which are Retribution and The Final Chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Unless there are more, which there very well could be. Well, there is a reboot coming. Like an there is a reboot, resin- but is but it not, a reboot not, of this? No, it's not this. Okay, yeah. So it won't be taking like the character of the titular Alice. <laughs> right. Will will not be a part of it. Yeah. There will be more Resident Evil films for sure. I doubt that they will have any Paul W. S. Anderson influence. I think they're they are respectfully taking it from his hands. Mm-hmm. Um it is time for him to let it go. And give it to someone else. Anyways, so uh this film of course stars Mila Jovovich. Uh I got I I'll say that Mila Jovovich, I in the beginning of this film, looks incredibly old, like mm. like not not young, not like a uh, not like an action star. She kind of looks like someone in her mid to late forties. Uh, but as she so uh, there's a there's a mechanic in the film where she is injected with uh, an anti T virus serum, I suppose, and it turns mm. her human again from being like a superhero, and from that moment on, she looks great. She looks like, oh, yeah. I buy this as an action star. But for whatever reason, in the beginning of this film, just FYI, her hair is like completely slicked back and she looks like ancient. She looks like super old. It's a, it's really strange. But um, hmm. I guess because the film is in 3D, 
you 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 get a lot of weird shots in this. Like Eric, I'm specifically thinking of the shot of like her kicking the glass at the dog, where it's like a really slow moving kick into a piece of falling glass <laughs> that <laughs> then flies into a dog, <laughs> almost cutting it in half. And it's like, I guess. That that scene makes a lot more sense when you realize, oh, that, yeah, that glass was supposed to be like flying at the camera and, you know, all three D like, right? It's uh, tough when these three D movies come out on Blu Ray. I know, and it's just always like so, like <laughs> somebody's bouncing a, a one of those paddle balls into the camera for a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So uh, here's a here's a couple of pieces of trivia during filming. Mila Jovovich Jovovich accidentally shot out a one hundred thousand dollar camera. <laughs> uh, oh, I guess that means that she was using a real gun at some point in this movie. Yeah, I I mean, why else would they say shot? That's crazy. <laughs> she she also shot out the eye of a, a CPA accredited. Yes. No producer. Like, right, a, yeah. A professional man who was uh, blinded. Who was, yeah, murdered in the in the uh, action <laughs> sequences. Yeah. Uh, w- uh, Wentworth Miller jokingly admits he was nervous about his character, Chris Redfield, being similar to his prison break character, Michael Schofield. In both mm. cases, he is in a prison, and his first lines are, I know a way out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That is the funniest piece of trivia I've found so far. Uh, okay. Although never mentioned explicitly in the final cut, the script clarifies that despite Wesker's injects, injection, Alice's blood uh, system continues to fight off the antibodies. Uh, that is for a specific thing in that. The scarab devices strapped around the survivors and the giant zombie axe man were lifted from the mm. video game Resident Evil 5. You know, so. what's interesting is I did uh, some of these, like, monster kind of characters, figures. I recognized, like, I could... They reminded me of, you know, some of the, for lack of a better term, monsters in 4, which is the only game right. I played, which right. I thought was cool. I was like, oh, this is kind of... Like, I remember the big guy with the axe. Like, I've seen that guy before. Yeah. Right, yeah. And 5, Resident Evil 5 is kind of like the direct sequel to four it's very much the like heightening of everything that was going on in that game so mm. they're close yeah absolutely yes um yeah this is mila jovich's first resident evil movie since becoming a mother mm. so you can wow. tell i mean that's i don't think <laughs> i don't actually think you can and i think like it's it's like uh I don't know. There's something about that that's kind of like cool. It's like, uh, you know, good for her. Uh, bouncing back and then starting in an action film post-child. That's that's a, that's a pretty big feat. Um, the first Resident Evil movie to not feature nudity. <laughs> wow. There is always such like, the nudity is always, first of all, it's always Mila Jovovich, but it's always like in an upsetting science lab sort of context. <laughs> yes. I really yeah. hate it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll also say that for Paul Tom, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson in general, while his movies do typically feature like scantily clad women in action scenarios or like, you know, big breasted women with like mini skirts, his movies always feel incredibly sexless. Mm. Like mm. 
even yeah. though he's trying like like uh, I, I noticed this in death race with jason statham he's clearly trying to like introduce all these like female characters as like these super hot uh you know um uh, like models who like come in like into the race and they're like clearly dressed in a way that makes them look like they're like hired by monster energy drink and at a comic-con <laughs> or something yeah uh his movies still like they're like these movies are the least horny movies i've ever seen in my life like resident evil the first movie is is incredibly unhorny shopping very unhorny mortal Kombat, not horny at all even though mm-hmm. it features sonia blade and katana and they're both at some points very sweaty it's right. still to me like i don't know how he does it how he features women with very little clothing and it still is like this is not horny at all <laughs> there's something i mean it's not dissimilar from how he handles action right yes. like it's it's like so heightened and and frostingy as opposed to cakey uh to use the only metaphor i know right. uh, <laughs> it it it's not realistic in any way and therefore mm-hmm. doesn't capture the feelings of what it's like to be horned up for a lady even the even the yeah even the guns in this film look so incredibly fake. Mm-hmm. Um, like like Albert Wesker wields like two pistols, and the barrels around them are like the size of a of a, like a a mandarin orange, like a cutie orange. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like comically big guns for a person to wield, and also. People in these films seem to think guns do a lot more than they do because they're constantly shooting at helicopters. <laughs> and I'm like, right. guys, these guns are not going to hit that helicopter. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You got to stop trying to shoot helicopters with pistols. <laughs> one of our one of our fans who knows, you know, After Effects or something, I would love to see a cut of uh, of Boris shooting a gun and just little mandarin oranges shooting out, of the, <laughs> out of the barrel. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Boris, uh, Boris Kojo, uh, he trained for six weeks to perform his own su- stunts, only to uh, dislocate his knee during the, uh, oh, the film. Man. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, who is Boris in this film? Um, he's kind of like, uh, is he the guy who is like, uh, I'm kind of like a big deal kind of guy? You know it looks what I mean? like he plays a character named Luther West. That's right. So he's the guy at the end who kind of comes out of the sewer, right? I don't think so. He's uh, he's the guy that's like very full of himself. I believe is his, his like stick. And at one point, I think he like points to a picture of himself on a billboard, <laughs> like he used to be. Like before all this stuff happened, he was like uh, an actor or something. Like may- I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he is the guy at the end, though, right? That kind of steps out at the at very, very end. He's like he like watches them take off in the helicopter, or whatever. He's like escaping. Um, He's like, does he survive or not? Honestly, don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it is so rad that you two have watched yeah. this film, and I who have not know exactly you the almost, same amount as this, yes, about no, this character. Yeah, more. Luther does. Okay, uh, Luther does emerge from the sewers at the end of the okay game. at the end got of the it, movie. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So we're all on the same page. Anyone want to add anything before we get to the plot of this film? The only other trivia I liked is that uh, it says because of the size and weight of the 3D cameras, the film- filmmakers, uh, the, the camera operator had to use a Segway. 
<laughs> and I just like the idea of I kind of want to rewatch some of these some of these shots just with the idea in mind of a guy on a Segway. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Oh, here's a, here's another piece of trivia I like, uh, only because it informs these movies so much when we learn this kind of stuff. The intention of writer-director Paul W.S. Anderson was that this would be the first film in the series to have an optimistic ending. And the film pretty much does have one, and then immediately it's undercut by something really stupid. And uh, the next sentence reads, The producers, however, wanted an intense cliffhanger as the ending. The director added mm. the massive attack, leaving the film open-ended. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is Paul W.S. Anderson's whole vibe, right? It's like, I'd like it to have an optimistic ending. And then the producer's like, how about not? And he's like, perfect. I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> he just, like, <laughs> changes it. And so now the film clearly has two, two endings. There's clearly an ending that makes sense. And then immediately a bunch of bullshit happens. And it's like, okay, I guess. So, uh, McCuller, before we get started with the plot, let me ask you a couple questions. Is Claire Redfield in Apocalypse? She is not. Is Chris Redfield? He is not. Is Albert Wesker? He is not. Although, um, the actor who plays Sir Jorah Mormont... Uh-huh. plays um uh from game of thrones plays a umbrella scientist who i don't believe is named in that movie and mm. has albert wesker vibe so i don't know if they were like maybe setting him up to be albert wesker yeah i don't i i don't know his name is um uh the actor who plays uh what's his name uh wesker is named sean roberts Yes, it's it's not him. And I glanced over the Resident Evil 3 plot as well. And he ends up playing a different character. But like, and that is apparently where Wesker, Chris and Claire come in. Okay, where do we leave with Jill at the end of Apocalypse? Because Jill does make an appearance in this film, but it's only at the very end. Right. She in Resident Evil Apocalypse, Resident Evil Apocalypse weirdly is the story of resident evil 3 with alice so she jill at the end uh gets on a helicopter and they fly away just as a nuke is hitting raccoon city oh okay great but alice is just also there (laughs) it's it's got such um i can't remember if we talked about this last time but like such mary sue vibes (laughs) yeah yeah where it's just like yeah, I know that this movie has a scene where Chris and Claire fight Wesker. And it's like, yes, cool. And Alice is also there doing yes. most of the fighting. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, no, it, this movie is, this is the Alice movie with everyone who should actually be in the movie on the periphery, kind of. Like, I don't know how they handled Jill in uh, Apocalypse, but the way that uh, Claire and Chris are handled in this is, like, they do not affect really anything as to, mm. in terms of plot, um, of which there is also very little of that, too. So, Yep, that's exactly uh, how it's, it's... That seems to be just how it is. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, Alice is this, like, super badass in uh, audience surrogate invention or something mm-hmm. and then we're seeing like little i guess whatever paul ws anderson feels like in the moment he wants to show us from the actual games but again though for 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 making so many of these 
he doesn't seem interested in what the games have to offer in terms all. of their story. Yeah. So, uh, like, at that point, I'm thinking, just scrap the characters, too. It's almost more annoying to have Claire and Chris in this. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. Anyway, so Resident Evil Afterlife. So one year after the event, after the events of Extinction, Alice and her clones <laughs> lead, <laughs> lead the assault to attack Umbrella Headquarters. So this is how the movie just starts you doing this, and it's like mm-hmm. really jarring. Uh, so I want to get that across. That is not like. It, I mean, like even Star Wars movies do a better job of onboarding you in the middle of their trilogies like this is really the worst onboarding i've ever (laughs) seen and i know and i know most of these characters uh can you imagine like a crawl at the beginning of a resident evil movie (laughs) i would i would have really appreciated it in this case because it was eric was it not insane to see mila jovovich show up and she like first of all does like a dragon ball z sort of destroys a whole room full of people but then she also has a million of her running around. Yeah, there's something to be said about just like starting off at a 10. Yeah. That maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if the yeah. rest of the movie does not get to a 10. Yeah, the rest of the film, by the way, mm. never gets as action-packed quite quite like this. So uh, she uh, attacks the Umbrella Headquarters located in Tokyo slaying the entire branch except for Albert Wesker who escapes in a Tiltrator plane and detonates a bomb that leaves a massive sinkhole. The real Alice boarded before and attempts to execute Wesker only for him to inject her with the antivirus to remove her superhuman abilities. Wesker is revealed to have used the T-virus to gain his own superhuman abilities and prepares to kill Alice before the autopilot crashes the plane into the mountains and only Alice survives. So how had jo- Jovovich achieved, attained uh, these super abilities in the first place? Do we know this? We I do. Think, okay, how does it, how does it happen? Uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, in my head, she had always had superhuman abilities but when we rewatched the first one i was surprised to find out she was just a person who had like memory loss it's in apocalypse that they reveal you remember at the end of the first resident evil they in again exactly what he was talking about a deeply cynical ending yes the heroes made it out of the mansion and then umbrella abducted them right Mm. yes (laughs) for like for no reason uh, they put Matt in the Nemesis Project, and Apocalypse shows him. We see what the Nemesis Project does. It turns him into a giant monster. At the end of Apocalypse, we learn that they put Alice into the Alice Project. And that's when they began experimenting on her and um, uh, giving her these superpowers. So she is even more action-packed in Resident Evil Apocalypse. She can do things that humans can shouldn't be able to do as i believe jill valentine says out loud to her uh-huh. um and so she, that's where she starts getting experimented on and resident evil apocalypse ends with another deeply cynical ending where she goes through the whole thing she survives and then she gets captured again huh 
So they do more experiments on her. That's where Sir Jorah Mormont looks at her nude in a case, like a glass uh, water yeah, tank. Yeah. And he's doing some sort of experimentations on her. And that movie ends with the surprise reveal that she has telekinetic powers. Mm. Um, okay. my, my quick glance at the Resident Evil extinction plot tells me that the Alice who has telekinetic powers is killed in the opening minutes of <laughs> Resident Evil 3. And then we're like, oh, I guess they're just killing Alice at the beginning of this movie. No, no, they've been cloning her. And that's how mm. we learn that the, the clones have have come to the play. Gotcha. So what we're Great. seeing, what we're seeing in the beginning of Afterlife, then, is a, a, a hot mix of clones that are being now repurposed for for good, and <laughs> a, a bit of uh, telekinetic abilities. Correct. Yeah, okay. That's where Alice is at. Yeah. On top of that, too, I just want to also mention that the 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 fighting in this opening sequence and for the rest of the film pretty much adheres to like matrix or crouching tiger laws of physics were like you know and telekinesis is one thing but she can just sort of like run around and fly and <laughs> do do slow motion flips and there's nothing she there's really nothing she can't do uh in terms of fighting so uh yeah i i i will say one thing that i absolutely love right off the bat is everything albert wesker related <laughs> uh they do McCaller, just so you know, they do Albert Wesker so right mm. in this film, it's unbelievable. I could I can't believe how well realized Albert Wesker is. Uh he's blonde, always wears sunglasses, never takes them off. He's mm. super buff, like, but he still maintains that sort of like I don't know, svelte swagger. But when he mm -hmm. needs to get super violent, he's a very intimidating monster in his own right. Like he's just, and the the guy who is playing him is clearly a British actor trying to way tone down his British accent. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's got this really bizarre manner of speaking that just <laughs> is 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 like overly confident. Like I, as a villain, I thought they did Wesker. Uh, for some reason, a lot of justice. I don't know, Eric. What did you think of Albert Wesker? Yes, you, you know, I like, a, I love a villain that I just like can't stand. Mm -hmm. Like, just like uh, I, I just like can't stand this guy. Like, this yeah. guy in real life would suck, right. and he does that very well. <laughs> I don't know what he's what uh, uh, what he's like in the video game, so I can't compare it to that. But I... uh, yeah, he's a good, effective villain. I want to give you um, a little taste of why the first introduction of Albert Wesker in the games is so wild, because he is exactly as you describe, mm -hmm. unlikable, clearly a villain, mm -hmm. clearly Machiavellian plotting everything, yeah. and they play it as a big reveal when he turns on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's clear from the beginning. He's it, it's like It's like, point to the bad guy in this room. You know, it, it would be Albert Wesker a hundred times, uh, you know, again and again. But, uh, yeah, for some reason in the games, they're kind of like, I don't know, maybe he's a good, <laughs> you know. Uh, in this, though, I, I don't know what I don't know what his entrance was like in Extinction. I'm guessing he's he was revealed in that in that film, uh, but he is like, well, actually, let me look here. Is Wesker is Wesker even in this? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Albert Wesker is is in that film. I don't see an extinction. Yeah, but I don't see it uh, the same. I don't know if it's the same actor though. Sean Roberts. Yeah, because uh, let me let me just get clarification here on if. Yeah, it's a different actor. Hmm. I really oh. liked Sean Rob. I really like this guy who's playing him in this. In this film, Jason O'Mara plays him. Hmm. In uh, in Extinction. I anyways so. Uh, six months later, Alice travels to Alaska in an airplane, tracking broadcasts from a safe haven called Arcadia. However, mm-hmm. she only finds abandoned planes and is attacked by a feral Claire Redfield. Okay, so <laughs> this, Eric, what hap- What is happening in this scene? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I will say... Uh, Allie Larder. You know who we saw Allie Larder in, or what we saw Allie Larder in, Jeremy, on this podcast is uh, the first Final Destination film. That's right. She's one of the main, yeah, the main people. Clear Rivers is her her character name. Clear but Rivers. <laughs> as far as what's going on in this moment, no idea. <laughs> so I guess there's these little, these little like spider devices. And this is from the games, McCall. This is from five, I guess. This is from five, yeah. Yeah. So it's making Claire Redfield like basically like a uh like a insane person. She's she's just like rah like attacking right. her. The they right. the word feral is is accurate. <laughs> uh Alice destroys the spider like device on Claire's chest, giving her amnesia. And pacifying her, they love amnesia in this in this film franchise. Amnesia is their best friend. <laughs> uh, they travel to the ruins of Los Angeles, where they Uh-oh. find survivors living in a prison that is surrounded by thousands of undead that still want you to read their screenplay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, that is the joke. Uh, no, there's. Uh, I do like that. There, we're still dealing with zombies on some level. I find that to be encouraging anyway mm-hmm. i'm like okay good yeah there's zombies uh here um uh this this film is coming from the at least for the beginning of it when when alice is traveling around is it seems to be coming from the position of like a what's that film i am legend or something like that where it's like the world is now just completely taken over by zombies and mm-hmm. she's sort of trying to just define any survivors like that's kind of like the vibe of it. I don't know if that's different than apocalypse or I don't know when that when it's finally actually revealed that the world is just over now. Um is that in apocalypse at all or That that feel Excuse me, that feels like extinction. Yeah, extinction mm-hmm. might be where we mm-hmm. finally get the world is over. Apocalypse um, again cynically ends with video proof of the zombies coming out and umbrella calling it fake news essentially wow. and just like getting away with it wow yep uh they meet luther west who is played by boris Codjo, uh who leads the surviving band from the prison wendell crystal waters mm-hmm. <laughs> bennett and kim young and Angel Ortiz. 
uh, <laughs> are any of these people, any of these people besides Claire, in the game? No. Okay. No. What? So who are the Redfields? They so the Redfields are a family. Uh, the the Chris Redfield is in the very first game. He's a member of the police task force that goes into the mansion in Resident Evil One. So it's him and Jill Valentine's story, basically, in the first game. Resident Evil Two starts with Claire Redfield, his little sister, coming to the city to try to find her brother who has gone missing. So it's kind of like a legacy thing, right? Where like you play as the brother in the first game, then you play as his sister in the second game, sort of as an extended one extended story. Uh, in this, Claire Redfield is somebody else who I do, I'm not sure what her job was in the film because I think you meet her in Extinction along with Chris. So I'm not I'm not quite sure what she's doing, but. Um, I, I, w- I can tell you confirmed there is a lot of, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this is, um, intentional sexual tension between Claire Redfield and Alice. Did you get that oh, vibe hmm. too, Eric? Um, I can't say that I did, to be honest with you. Really? So you didn't get the, the, the now they that almost say kiss? That, I think and I <laughs> kind of, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. They're like um, they're always talking very close to each other's faces, and they're and and Allie Larder. Maybe she just exudes a lot of like sexuality, but she she gives Alice looks that I'm like make me sweat. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, she's in love. Um. Anyways, with their help, Alice finally lands on the prison's roof and learns Arcadia isn't a fixed place, but a cargo tanker traveling along the coast. However. Yes. And at the, this point, they yeah. do play uh, Stadium Arcadium by the uh, the Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the, the theme song of the film, yeah. Stadium Arcadium. <laughs> uh, however, though the ship hasn't moved, no one from it has responded to the group's rescue flares. Luther takes Alice to a uh, to the last inmate, Chris, uh, Chris, who insists he is falsely in prison and will reveal an escape route in exchange for freedom. Alec, Alice goes to the showers to watch uh, wash up, mm. but catches Wendell attempting to peep. Holding him, <laughs> at, holding him at gunpoint, they are attacked by a group of infected people that dug into the prison. They take Wendell, but she manages to kill them. Yeah, this whole scene is nuts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Wendell. I didn't realize his name was Wendell. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I I kind of so this whole movie to me, I really like. I I like this movie. I liked uh, and I like the first one. These are kind of like more what I was picturing, um, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but just more of what I was picturing when we kind of for whatever reason, decided to dedicate ourselves to uh, watching <laughs> all of this guy's movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, just like dumb kind of mindless, you know, action and like the, I really love just like the treat cheesy drama between all these people. It feels like I'm turning on a action drama, like a one hour action drama on the USA Network mm-hmm. and I'm catching like episode like eight, of season nine 
like a mid-season, yes. late, yes. late season episode of just some random show. And I don't really know exactly what's going on, but I don't really care because I like know enough. Yeah, and you know enough to it's just kind of fun. get in, like, to get like barely invested. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't require like this movie requires for for me it felt like it required very little uh intellectual work, which is maybe that's just kind of a relief because we have been, you know, covering like the master and oh, movies sure, like that. Yeah. No, uh, I it's agree a little it's bit of a change it, of pace, are, but these are kind of a yeah. welcome reprieve from from those heavier types of movies, but I will yeah. say that I do. I was never relaxed at any point watching this movie. I, I was like, "What's going on? Who is that?" <laughs> like, I just like there was just too much, too much they should have explained and didn't for me to be able to fully kick back. Uh, but that being said, um, I I do appreciate like that these kinds of movies can still get made, right? That they're like com- total B or C level action films with really bad looking choreography and really bad looking visual effects, but still have like some sort of charm, inherent charm and value of just being kind of mindless, you know? There is also a value as like a fellow creative mm-hmm. that there's something that A is this bad that is getting made that gives right. me hope that I can make it as a filmmaker, but sure. also gives me something that I know I don't want to make. I know right. that I'm going to do everything in my power to like, oh, this scene is trending a little too action heavy and there's no real reason for it. And what if I cut it for an intense character monologue? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, desperate, they free Chris, who reveals that Claire is his sister, and the prison mm. has an armored car that they can use to escape. However, a giant axe-wielding monster begins breaking down the gate. And I do appreciate this axe-wielding monster and the inclusion of Chris and Claire because it is sort of like, hey, you know that video game you've been playing? Well, here's mm-hmm. here's this, you know? kind of reminds me of the silent hill movies when they would just put pyramid head in there it's like right it's like okay great yeah it's a thing i know okay cool enjoying it uh anyway um alice chris and crystal go to the basement armory to get more guns (laughs) 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 however zombies kill crystal in route luther and claire reinforce the gate uh angel informs bennett that and yang the car is missing its engine and would take a week to fix. Bennett shoots Angel in the heads. Oh, sorry. Bennett shoots Angel <laughs> and heads for Arcadia in Alice's airplane. The Axeman breaks down the gate, allowing the zombies into the prison. The group decides to use the zombie dug tunnels to escape into the sewers. Yong is slashed in half by the Axeman. <laughs> While Alice is knocked out, Claire successfully defends Alice, managing to defeat the Axeman by disorienting it, after which Alex kills it by firing at its head. Of course, they couldn't even let Claire just do the thing and beat Mm -hmm. Axeman. They have to give Alice the final kill. Can I ask real quick, did they explain where the Axeman comes from? 
I don't think so, Eric. Or is he just a very big man who also turned into a zombie? I feel like they explained it, but I don't remember what that explanation was. I feel like they they threw something in there. Um, that's that's good. Yeah. I I remember nothing of an explanation for the axe man. I re- I I feel like it like this this movie operates on. If you thought that was crazy, see the check out this <laughs> new crazy monster. Uh, like as uh, almost as if like to explain it would only insult us further. <laughs> <laughs> um. Unfortunately, Luther is dragged back into the tunnels by a zombie. Alice and the Redfields board the Arcadia, discovering it fu- uh, discovering it functional but abandoned. Claire then remembers Arcadia is an umbrella trap to get test subjects. They release mm. the survivors with Kmart. Spencer Locke, played by Spencer Locke, from Claire's group being one of them. I think Kmart might have been a character from Extinction because they make a big deal about saving Kmart, and I've never heard of Kmart before. (laughs) So, Okay, so I know that they explained earlier that Claire had amnesia, but I wish more movies just had a character who suddenly remembers a major plot point. Yes, yeah. Like, even not having amnesia, but just, like, right. just re- regular forgot. <laughs> 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 that would be very true to life, actually. How suddenly you're just like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I know how to get out of here. <laughs> uh, Alice follows a trail of blood deeper into the ship where she finds Wesker. The T-Virus revived him, but it battles Wesker for control, something he believes fresh human DNA can pacify. Mm. He's a DNA vampire. He's a little bit of a vampire. He kind of... This this film does have big blade energy also, Mm. I want to point out. Like the use of swords and choreography. And you know how Blade had kind of like shitty visual effects? Like that, that's, that's a lot like this, so... Uh, the Umbrella staff fled when he began eating test subjects. <laughs> Alice's <laughs> DNA is superior to his since she retained control despite her bonding with the virus at a cellular level. Res- Wesker believes eating her will help him regain control of his body. I do like that we're, it's just totally psycho at this point. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, and so this is a really cool set, by the way, too. Like, so they're they're basically in an umbrella facility, and everything is just white, like mm. everything is just stark white. Uh, McCall, it really does remind me of go, uh, going to the labs in Resident Evil Two Remake. You know how it's just like cold and sterile in there. Yeah, it's a lot like the set for this uh, for this film. Um. And it's cool to see like the blood get on like the white walls and floors. Like it just like looks like there's a stark contrast that looks really pretty. And like even seeing the zombies up against the white backgrounds is cool. It's like something so <laughs> grotesque up in front of something so clean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not completely not not a completely bad art direction, anyway. Uh the Redfields fight Wesker while Alice battles Bennett, now working for Wesker. Bennett also looks really <laughs> up too. Did he get does he get injected at some point or is he turning slowly into a zombie, Eric? I can't remember. Bennett is, yeah. He is, okay. Right? 
Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I don't, I, it's, I, I, I don't really remember. All I remember is when she gets there, he looks really shitty and she's like, you don't look good, Bennett. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to play with your pretty face. I don't know what that means. Hmm. Is, who is Bennett? Who is Bennett? He's the guy, isn't he the guy uh, who is like before the apocalypse was like a producer? He's a producer, Because I remember yeah. there's a producer character. Yeah, this is him. Because I remember there are some very corny lines uh, where like I'm sure Paul Ta- uh, W.S. Anderson was like, oh, I'm such a little rascal. I'm putting in a line like this where it's like <laughs> a guy like talking about how producers are stupid or whatever or uh, right. I, don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, yeah, That's I remember. Cute. Yeah, I remember it just being like so obvious that he put that he threw in this sort of like jerk producer character as some type of a statement, like I a guess. joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, they Wesker easily overpowers uh, Chris and Claire. But Alice is able to defeat both Bennett and Wesker with the help Come from on. Kmart. Yeah, right? Isn't that great? Chris and Claire both get like knocked around, but then Alice, of course, just wins. Mm. Um, I will say this scene ends with Wesker trying to get up, and mm. Claire and Chris just puts his boot on Wesker's chest and says, like, I don't think so. And then <laughs> Chris and Claire hold pistols up to him at point blank range as he's on the floor and they just unload an entire clip of their pistols into him. Like it, it's height. It doesn't look cool, but it does feel stupid in a way I like <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> right. it's just like, it's like almost like boondock saints, like way too many bullets being used for just killing this one guy. Anyways, though, if you thought he was dead, you'd be wrong. Uh, They lock Bennett in the room with Wesker's corpse. Bennett is devoured by Wesker when he revives. Wesker (laughs) then escapes in an aircraft, activating a bomb on the Arcadia. The plane explodes instead as Alice placed the bomb there beforehand. So this there's a really weird twist in this movie, Eric. Do, do, Do you remember this where... Like Wesker leaves in the plane, and mm. and uh, Alice turns to Claire and Chris and goes, "Holy shit, we gotta get out of here!" And then you see them take off running, and then Wesker detonates the bomb, but his own plane blows up. Yeah, and then we right. see Alice and Claire and Chris are actually on the roof now, and Alice turns to Claire and says, "I just wanted us to get a better view." <laughs> so the twist was they weren't actually running away from the bomb they were running to go get a better view of the plane exploding right yeah i kind of like this yeah it's 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 really silly yeah um unbeknownst to them and and so yeah so unbeknownst to them wesker parachutes away from the explosion which we do see in the background while luther emerges from the sewers battered but alive Alice resolves to turn Arcadia into a real haven and broadcasts a new message for any other survivors. This is where the ending, the first ending happens. It's basically, Mm. you hear her giving the little message out to any other survivors and you fully expect, okay, here comes credits. It's any moment now. And then boom, as Alice, Claire and Chris watch over from Arcadia, 
it is approached by a squadron of umbrella aircraft. <laughs> and then the credits roll. And then they stop rolling mid credits to show you a scene uh, where in one of the aircraft, Jill Valentine, who went missing after the Raccoon City destruction, is dictating the attack wearing the same mind control device oh. used on Claire. Interesting. Now, imagine being like somebody who's in charge of personnel and you're like, <laughs> you're directing the attack, but you're like, let's put a mind control intermediary between <laughs> us and the attack. Yes. Um, yeah, and like, and like, why don't I just find new people? Why do you have to repurpose all these <laughs> warriors for justice? It's like, I guess it adds insult to injury, but it's still not like, I don't know, the most efficient onboarding process that I can I think don't necessarily, I, I don't mind it as like, we're adding soldiers to our own army. Like, that's why you have another body there than that somebody right. to just like run into gunfire. For the strategic operation of planning an attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is? What do we need him for? Yeah. What do we need him for, guys? That is Resident Evil Afterlife, the mm. fourth installment in the Resident Evil series of films that I believe is six films long. Is that what we're saying? Sounds, it sounds right. Sounds about there's right, six yeah. films in the series. Um. Yeah, this is uh this is a this is weird for us, Eric. I feel like just because we don't typically do like you know, we covered Twin Peaks, which was a which was like a serialized program, yeah. but we don't typically do like film franchises like right, a, a especially sequel, ones that yeah. we skip certain movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the franchise. Yeah. So, uh yeah, this this comes this is so this is like uh after this, he'll go on to direct The Three Musketeers, mm. and then he'll direct Resident Evil Retribution, and then he'll direct Pompeii, and then he'll direct Resident Evil, the final chapter. So, Michael McCuller, can we count on you to return for Retribution in, mm, how many weeks will that be? Three plus, like five weeks? <laughs> Six weeks? <laughs> what if I showed up having accidentally watched Pompeii? <laughs> <laughs> I would love for you to accidentally watch the wrong movie every every time. Yeah, that would be yeah, and and somehow still be able to really contribute to the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was impressive, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I was learning on the fly. Um, so uh, we got to rank these movies. We, uh, McCuller, just to remind you, we do these out of four Chucky freckles. One is the lowest you can give a film. Uh, so I'll go first. Resident Evil Afterlife. I don't. I do not like I don't leave this film upset or angry I'm not I, it's you know <laughs> it's not a I don't think it's a particularly awful film especially for Paul W.S. Anderson I think like it's actually one of the more fun films he's, yeah. he's made uh, again there's some great there is some good visuals in here and I really do think they nailed their villain in such a way that made me excited when he was on screen. I thought that was such a weird feeling for one of these movies where I was like actually <laughs> excited to see another character come back. Um, so for that, I'm going to give it the exact same score I gave Resident Evil the, the, the first film, which is a 2.25 Chucky Freckles out of four. 
um, which I may need to raise to 2.5 because I don't think I, I like this movie <laughs> about as much. I, I actually, I like this movie, I think more than death race. Yeah. For but, sure. but death race, I gave a 2.5 to, so I'm going to give death race a 2.25 and I'm going <laughs> to give this a 2.5. <laughs> Got it. Great. Imagine being death race, right? I know. <laughs> well, Death Race was somehow squeaking out of there with a That's better score than it should have gotten. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, however, I did give Moonrise Kingdom a 2.75, which I like a hell of a lot more than Resident Evil Afterlife. So I'm going to have to review some of these maybe <laughs> some of these ratings. Uh, anyways, uh, Eric, what were your thoughts on Resident Evil Afterlife? You know, I I I like this one. I I it was the kind of like sort of you know sort it's not to call it i i say dumb as like uh as a compliment like it's the kind of dumb entertainment that i expected from from watching some of these movies right and quite frankly i didn't get that really out of some of the movies that i was hoping to get that from like soldier i thought was just like one of the worst movies i've ever seen yeah um had really high hopes for event horizon also one of the worst movies I've ever yeah, seen. That has a, I, I gave that movie a one. <laughs> <laughs> Same. But I, I I don't know what it is, but I like this movie. I don't even really care that I was kind of lost and didn't really know who people <laughs> were. I just thought it was kind of fun, and uh, I'll give it a 2.5, and I, too, am going to knock my death race score down to a two out of four. Oh, man. Uh, because See you later, death race. Thinking, uh, thinking about that movie in retrospect, not very good. No, that movie um, stinks. So you gave it a, what did you give it, Jeremy, a 2.5? 2.5. We gave it the same score this time. Michael? And I will give it <laughs> four out of four, Chucky Freckles. That's right. Oh, boy. A two <laughs> out of four? The best four out of four. Four out of four? Because the best Resident Evil movie is the kind you don't have to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Love you know, that. I like it. it Got yeah. it. At this point, Paul W.S. Anderson needed a little bump, so yeah. okay. you're, doing, you're, yeah. you're doing him a service. So I hope fa- I didn't accidentally just make Paul Thomas or Paul W.S. Anderson a better filmmaker than Paul W.S. or Paul Thomas Anderson. No, Ugh. no, no. You couldn't do it. Whew. I mean, he's got okay. too many... Too many ones and one point fives on this list to uh, to ever ever get there. Probably at this point, although he has more films, so there's oh. there's a there's a real there's a world where Three Musketeers gets like a three out of four. Uh, well, I can't see that happening, but <laughs> if it did, you know, you could you could see it being a little competitive here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I th- still my highest rated PTA uh, Paul W S Anderson film is a is Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, three point two five, which is a better score than Hard Eight, and a better score than Fantastic Mr. Fox, (laughs) and a better score than uh, than uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Hmm. So I, I turns out I like Mortal Kombat better than all those other movies. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator. Michael McCuller, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Oh, I love it. Love being on, talking Resident Evil, and I love watching uh, different movies. Yes. My yes. friends. Michael, Wait. let's get some plugs, my friend. Yes, where can, where can people yeah. check you out? 
you can follow me on Twitter at Michael McCaller, O-R, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Michael McCaller. Again, with an O-R. My last name, it turns out, hard to spell. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and what about, uh, Jeremy, what about you, old, old, old buddy, old pal? Me? I got nothing. Go to that Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, sign up. You know, it's it's... We've mentioned this before, but you can do the $5 tier and you literally get access to everything, which is probably a year and a half worth of bonus episodes at this point. Um, so dive in. We know you're going to like it. Uh, Jeremy, what do you want to plug? Same thing. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Norma.